Well, I just have a, a favorite quotation from uh, Basil the Great about iconography. He says, both painters of words and painters of pictures illustrate valor in battle. The former by the art of rhetoric, the latter by the clever use of the brush, and both encourage everyone to be brave. A spoken account edifies the ear, while a silent picture induces imitation. And welcome to another edition of Come Receive the Light, a broadcast outreach of the Orthodox Christian Network. Our host and the founder of OCN is Father Christopher Metropolis, now the president of Hellenic College and Holy Cross Orthodox School of Theology. Our guest host today will be Father Gregory Joyce, the rector of St. Vladimir's Church in Saline, Michigan. We'll hear from him and his guest in just a moment. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We've talked about icons a number of times. Oh, my goodness, perhaps as many as a dozen times over the years uh, on this broadcast. And iconography is the original tradition of sacred art, as I'm sure most of you know. And church tradition teaches that the first iconographer, you may not know this, was St. Luke, the evangelist. He painted an icon of the Virgin Mary. And we're going to learn today about not only the painting or the writing of icons, but also the carving and the weaving of icons. I hope you can stay tuned. This is a fascinating conversation. By the way, if you'd like to listen to it again, or if you have someone you want to uh, hear it, uh, you can just direct them to our website at myocn.net. That's myocn.net. Click on the Listen button on the homepage, and then uh, select Come Receive the Light. Please do remember that we are a nonprofit outreach. We exist because of People just like yourself who come alongside of us and help financially, they believe in what we're doing and they want to uh, make sure that we're able to continue reaching out around the world. There is a donate button on the homepage when you go to the website, again, myocn.net, and uh, as you click on that, you'll see a number of ways you can join with us as a financial partner. Again, the website is myocn.net. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Instagram, Pinterest, and uh, a number of other social media outlets. And please pray for this ministry as well. We covet your prayers, certainly. And now with this uh, conversation, here's Father Gregory. Mary Lowell is the founder and manager of Hexa Amaron, a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to sacred arts education. Established in 2003, Hexa Amaron has provided training in icon painting for hundreds of students and has added courses in ecclesiastical pictorial embroidery. Although Hexa Amaron has been an itinerant school of sacred art for nearly a decade, It has long been Mary's goal to create a full operating apprenticeship program in a fixed location. So how far along the road are you to this uh, apprenticeship program? Uh, It's a reality (laughs) now or it's still kind of a a theory? Well, There are a number of um, obstacles to, to doing it in this country. Uh, when first when we first began offering courses, uh, it became clear to us that just studying for a week and we could give uh, our students the tools, all the tools necessary for them to progress, but what they really needed was a close tutelage with a master iconographer over an extended period of time. Uh, the model of courses like the guilds of the artels of the you know the associations of artisans and uh, craftsmen, save the Middle Ages um, or in monastic settings, but it's really n- not very tenable under capitalism <laughs> in the U.S. 
um, you know, how, how do you set up a kind of thing where you have students come and work? Uh, I, I had a dream of, of doing that in a, in a certain kind of way where you would uh, um, get commissions uh, to do uh, the architecture for a church and also the iconography uh, and that our students would study uh, in an actual setting, doing an actual work uh, with the master iconographers, maybe you know small things like that. Right. Um, that's probably so far in the future. Uh, I did witness that when I visited uh, Russia and uh, the Balkans. I saw this kind of thing going on. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, there are some models, say in Romania, under the system of the pay, uh, system of accreditation under Petrarch. Uh, so I think a seven-year program where students progress in proficiency, and and but the Petrarch uh, or the hierarchy there decides, you know, who paints what and what churches. They don't just like ours just hire somebody they like. Right. Um, uh, Russia, you know, the the wonderful iconographer who's a friend of mine, um, Alexander Stalinov, uh, he teaches a four-year program at St. Petersburg uh, Theological Academy, and, and students matriculate through that. The last time I talked with him, uh, we said, well, so you start out with X amount of students, how many actually graduate? Right. And it was a very small percentage. So, But uh, on the upside, uh, more news, we have partnered with Pontificus University, uh, and they are offering our courses in iconography toward accreditation in a master's degree program in, in sacred arts. And where and, is that located? Well, it's an online thing. Our courses, of course, are not online. They're in person. Uh, but um, most of those, their, their courses are, are theology, and, and uh, they, they combine the study of uh, scripture and literature, philosophy, mathematics, architecture, art, history, and that sort of thing. Um, elsewhere, you've confessed to not being an icon painter, uh, but the creator of a space where the sacred arts flourish. Um, what inspired you to start Hex Amron, and, and what's your vision for the school? Yeah, well, that's a long story. Uh, 26 years ago, I started looking for an iconographer for my parish, um, St. Andrew's Orthodox Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And by providence, I discovered Zenia Pekulski, who was newly arrived in the U.S. in 1991, and she became an iconographer pretty much self-taught during one of the most repressive periods of sacred arts in, in the Soviet Union. And she became a, a leader of a, of a movement that revived icon painting in Russia in the 1970s and 80s. Anyway, I successfully commissioned her and her daughter to paint our icons. But in 2003, I organized an opportunity for the church people in my church and people in the region to come and spend a week with her and study. So we had a workshop. It was a big, big, big deal. Well, we were just flooded with applications from 19 different states, from Mexico. People wanted to get in there from everywhere. Wow. So so that's how I got started. I just kept going. Uh, I saw there was a great interest, great need. So I formed this nonprofit, um, Hexamron. I have to say I had lots of help with friends that knew more about how to do the paperwork. Um, and we've now held classes in Alaska, California, Connecticut, North South Carolina, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Michigan, South America. Uh, we just keep going, and there's still quite an interest. That's wonderful. Um, you wrote an article for the Orthodox Arts Journal. Uh, the name of that uh, article is, uh, Who Do You Say That I Am? The Triumph of Orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there you, you wrote that the icons are presented to the beholder a way of being in relation with 
the signified. It is precisely this intimacy which many find troubling. So talk a little bit about the intimacy with the divine and why that's troubling. Um, is it something about contemporary society that finds that uh, uncomfortable, the presence of the sacred? Well, your question brings uh, in a whole different direction than what my article was really aiming for. Um, and, and your question has a very deep theological, ontological significance, uh, even psychological and political significance. And I'm not sure I'm capable of addressing why is the desire for intimacy with the divine troubling. I'll try in a few moments, but first let me just talk about what I was trying to do in the article. Um, I wrote it at the beginning of Great Lent, you know, the, the Feast of the Triumph of Orthodoxy. It was a kind of apologetic for the use of icons in Orthodox worship. Mm-hmm. I was trying to address the charge of idolatry that's, that's perennial. It comes up all the time in discussions, and that charges both Islam and Protestantism. And um, that charges, and I'm going to just quote my article, that the sign and the signified become so intellectually and emotionally fused for the beholder, that he regards the image as the embodiment of what it depicts. That is, the depicted inheres rather than just appears in the image. So there's this fear that uh, people are worshiping the, worshiping the object, that, that, that you know, it, it, it's, it's in the thing itself. But what I was really trying to uh, do, um, going for, was um, that icons are a liturgical part of our worship, and they're it's not they're not a talisman object um they act as signs that point to the intimacy of the depicted uh, the icons present to the polders i said a way of being relationship now to return to your question uh, why is this desire for intimacy with the divine troubling the only way i can think about why it's troubling and this is really i i think an important point um is that that de- that, that desire potentially brings us closer uh, one closer to what the poetry of the scripture calls the fearsome or dreadful God. Uh, and that can be troubling <laughs> because the growing intimacy with the divine always requires change, change of habits, change of use of your time, change of your heart, uh, of cultivating a penitential heart and so on. Mm-hmm. And if we're, re- if we're really honest about this, and, and I'm trying to be, we don't really want to do that. <laughs> Uh, we want to live our lives trouble-free and just be left alone. I mean, we practically would rather just have a God-free uh, environment where we just carried on, you know. Uh, so, but what does this say about contemporary society? That is truly troubling. Um, I think increasingly society has become more bold in repudiating all things that are sacred. Uh, the presence of the sacred is not only personally unbearable, but outward, it's outwardly hated and opposed and increasingly societies have become less civilized, more violent. And I think because of this hatred, it's because of hatred of the holiness. Yeah, that is uh, unsettling. I agree. Um, and also, I don't suppose that we have a cure for that at this time except for <laughs> Orthodox Christianity, that people will come to the, the faith which the Lord has given to us for our salvation. But Well, the, the cure, Father, is, is always the same thing. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's always there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Nothing new. That's correct, uh, but always something very useful and yeah. helpful. Yeah. You know, there, I often get this question, and, and so I would like to ask this question of you. Uh, what kind of preparation is required for an icon painter before beginning work? Uh, and also, is there a different rule, like a different, 
additional prayers that icon painters need to read or additional fasting that they that they need to do uh, those questions are often asked of me and and I wonder if you could uh, help us to understand that well you know there's just there's been a lot written about that um um People generally think of icon painters, and this is really true, in a monastic setting um, where they are preparing, you know, through, um, through, through uh, partaking communion, uh, silence, um, the Jesus prayer, even certain breathing, purification. In the in this sort of outer world that we live in, those things can still all apply. They're just harder to do. Because there's not a there's not a sort of container to put that in. There's not a sort of organization of your life. You have to organize it yourself. But the reality of iconography, say in in America, it, it's very little of it is done in the monastic setting. Uh, it's, it's done by all kinds of people, uh, even non-orthodox people, which is kind of scary sometimes. But you know, Zinya Podkolsky uh, had many many wise sayings. Uh, about uh, the vocation of iconography, and, and and one of my favorite was that an iconographer cannot have ambition. And of course, she didn't mean they can't have goals or or improve their skills or have that kind of thing. Um, and these these kinds of technical goals for an iconographer um, make the iconographer is always a learner. You know, you're always going to keep learning. You know, she she was a biophysicist. She had a grasp of chemistry, geology, uh, mineralogy, and she brought all that scientific knowledge and curiosity to bear on icon painting. But when she would talk about the subjects, the icons, she she would sometimes shed tears because um, the most important thing about preparation was that she immersed herself in herself in scripture, in the lives of the saints, in the councils, in eschatology. Um, so I'd say that the icon painter or those who desire to pursue uh, this vocation must prepare themselves as a scribe would, one who carefully dedicates himself to the teachings of Christ and his church, one who has no ambition to use the vocation of iconography as a stage for self-expression or, or even worse, a means of forging an experimental theoretical dogma. And, and you can make all this happen with an image. You know, you, you can... Uh, it's capable of conveying all sorts of incredible and uh, uh, things. So it, you have to be very careful about entering this vocation. And it, I, I would say that that's the kind of preparation you need, the foundation of the church. I think it's a calling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm not doing it. I, I know I don't have a calling for it, and, and I have a great love uh, and appreciation for it. But um, my calling is to facilitate it. We're sort of we're coming towards the end of our time together, and I, I we've focused a lot on icons and icon painting, but I think we should touch on the fact that the school also has courses on icon carving and ecclesiastical pictorial embroidery. Maybe you could speak to those a little bit before we uh, before we have to wrap up. Okay, sure. Um, well, you know, most people think of iconography as, especially in this hemisphere, as a one-dimensional panel painting and mural painting. But there are a great tradition of low-relief carving, and uh, throughout late antiquity in the Middle East, medieval period, um, we still see remnants of that in Russia and Georgia, Romania, Macedonia, Serbia, Armenia, on and on and on. Pictorial embroidery, on the other hand, is continually and it's been a continuous liturgical use. Um, the advent of, of machine embroideries kind of changed that uh, so that the art of uh, handmade is rare and precious. But Xamron began offering courses in ecclesiastical embroidery in 2012 and carving in 2013. 
embroidery has many, a whole range of applications. Uh, communion towels, baptismal garments, icon uh, linens, uh, altar cloths, vestments. Jonathan Peugeot uh, teaches our, our carving courses. He's a graduate of uh, Concordia University, Montreal. And he wants to renew the ancient art of icon carving. It's been neglected for centuries. Really, there's there's no one in this country that has um, mastered the art of Byzantine icon, uh, icon carving. He's from Canada. What might be really helpful for our listeners, most of our listeners probably will not have been exposed to the embroidery, embroidery mm-hmm. icons, um, and maybe a few more to the carving, but I think it would be really nice if it was possible for you to share a few pictures with us that we could uh, put on our website oh, yeah. because I, I think especially the embroidery uh, th- thank god oh, i yeah. had the opportunity to to see some of those in in ukraine um, amazing absolutely amazing amazing is right and yeah. and and i think that uh, it's hard for people to imagine what this might look like so let's not try to make them imagine um, <laughs> if you would be so kind as to share uh, some of those with us we would be happy to post those of course father I will. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today on on Come Receive the Light. Uh, We're really looking forward to the uh, photos that you're going to be able to share with our listeners. Thank you, Father. And we have already gotten that set up, and perhaps some of you have seen those photos uh, already on the website. That's myocn.net, myocn.net. Click on the Listen button on the homepage, and then select Come Receive the Light. This particular broadcast will have those links associated with it. I'm Mike Trout. Special thanks to our guest host today, Father Gregory Joyce, who is the rector of St. Vladimir Orthodox Church in Saline, Michigan. Our regular host is Father Christopher Metropolis. He'll be back next time when we return with another conversation on our broadcast called Come Receive the Light, again from the Orthodox Christian Network at myocn.net. I'm Mike Trout, and until we meet again, so to speak... Please remember to always have faith in what you listen to. I see the world your way, and I'm not afraid to follow. I see the world your way, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I see the Jesus way, and I'm walking in the light.